You're listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. And I'm Jerry Meeks. And this podcast is officially leveled up because we have Jeremy, <laughs> po- Jeremy yeah. Meeks part of our podcast. I just love oh. having that because I hear it on the preacher's talk. Uh, yeah. When they go through it, although you're probably the David Helmer all goofing off in this because I mean, he's always the one that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels good to not be in control of anything. Because I'll tell you what, <laughs> trying to control Dave Helm and Ed Copeland on a podcast is like herding cats in the midnight through an ocean. I think that's my favorite <laughs> part of all of it. But hey, yeah. so we stole the intro that we do on our podcast because I heard you guys do that. I was like, man, that makes it so much easier to know who's talking. That's such right. a good idea. Well, so we started first- doing that. First things first, anyone who thought we were original, that's gone out the window. Secondly, right. anyone who's listening to us now needs to like stop and listen to Preacher's Talk because it's such an amazing podcast. So so here's the other thing that I love that we probably need to do, except the problem is Josiah's really running the podcast, so I'm not sure if I want him to do it to me. But okay. I love on Preacher's Talk how when they kind of start getting on a little rabbit trail or joking off, you're just like, Oh, hey, uh, boom, here's a hard question. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so, yeah, so David, tell me about this. actually be talking about. <laughs> so I don't want Josiah to do that to me, but uh, at the same time, I love that. On the like, We're going to rein it in. So what's the, tell me something about this. Well, that's interesting. Right, Josiah, Anyways, <laughs> we have Jeremy on the podcast today yes. because we've had you on before. Jeremy Meeks is the director of the Chicago Course on Preaching. He also works with simiantrust.org. And uh, we've had you on to talk about various topics, but I want to kind of drill in a little bit today and talk about preaching and specifically talk about preaching aimed towards the preacher that, you know, isn't new. He's not the guy that's a greenhorn that's never preached before. And he's not the senior pastor that's been preaching for 40 years. He's the guy that maybe is in that associate pastor role, you know, kind of like myself. I I served with Brian at a church here in Utah, and I'm kind of like the backup guy. And so I've watched, I've written down all the times I've preached. And it's funny to see like the first year it was like one time. The second year was a couple times. It's slowly like been ramping up. So, you know, over, over about eight years, I've got about 27 sermons in you know and i I remember kind of starting out having like two or three months like here's your topic spend some time and i'm puking through this three months trying to think of what i'm gonna write (laughs) and then this year uh brian took a sabbatical and i had to preach five weeks in a row and i about died yeah (laughs) yep i know how that goes but I feel yeah, like a lot of resources out there are geared either towards novice guys or, or, or really veteran guys. But what right. do you do with a guy that's kind of like average who just needs to kind of level up so the new stuff isn't really hitting it for him, but he wants to take yeah. that next step? Wait, we just talked about the Chicago course. Uh, typical right. guy coming into the Chicago course about how much does he preach? Like, I think like 30 sermons is sort of the, the we start to realize, hey, I feel okay with this. Yeah, but I need to keep working on it. I mean, I feel like I could just keep it. Where, where would you say the guys are coming into the Chicago course? Yeah, so they, it varies pretty widely. We've got guys who've preached maybe 10 sermons up to like guys who've been preaching for 10 years um, right. and kind of like every week. Uh, and then in the course, though, you're going to be preaching between like in the course itself about 40 times plus whatever you're preaching in your local church context, which could be which could be up to some of these guys are still just preaching every week. But the guys who are like most of the guys, they're going to preach 20 times, probably doing pulpit supply. So you're getting out of here with like 60 sermons, which means that you're just on the backside of this kind of stage you're talking about, but still just kind of like coming to a good awareness of the fact that you're not good at this. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. That's what we're right. getting at. When and I think I realize, wait, I'm not that great at this. I need to work at it. 
yeah. So I, I do want to talk about resources, but before that, I just want to put some things on the table for the guy who's got 30 sermons in that are important to kind of state up front. One of those is this preaching is stinking hard, like really hard. It's Amen. one of the hardest things that human beings can do. Speaking in public is one of our greatest fears. We don't have a lot of good models for speaking in public. And you're speaking for a divine being. Like, are you kidding me? To a and wide not, range of humans. And not all of his word is the best stuff to, I mean, like I'm right. preaching through Romans 9 because we're yeah. going through Romans right now. <laughs> and I suddenly realized every preacher in his lifetime needs to preach through Romans 9 yeah. through 11. Yeah. <laughs> because Paul is a really good arguer, but I'm really afraid to say what Paul's arguing because he's arguing. I mean, like, like I got to stand up and do this. Right. And that's yep. tough. Yep. That's a really great point, too, because like I, I worked in the kind of the business world for 20 years and I'd, I'd lead meetings and leadership conferences and I had no problem. I kind of got over that public speaking fear. Man, the first time I stepped in the pulpit, the 30th time I've stepped in that pulpit, I just yep. tremble. Like I think of right. John Knox. Yeah. And, just, and I think that that's that's good. Like that's the right way to be in the world. Um, but I but think the good news is going. the good news is at this point Josiah isn't visibly shaking. The <laughs> first true. few times he was like I, the, the like first time I preached, were just shaking. <laughs> the first time I preached, one of the sweet old ladies in our church came up to me and said, "You know, I didn't think anybody could ever preach without taking a breath, but man, you did it." <laughs> <laughs> that's a great kind of compliment. Really. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, so preaching is hard. Sorry, hard. We, we derailed you. Yep. So there, do know that. Uh, I would also say that like uh, one thing you got to keep in mind is that your task is to actually feed the sheep that are in that service in that moment. Your job is not to go back to the Reformation and, uh, you know, fix the Roman Catholic Church. It's not to solve every debate on justification that's ever exists. It's not to give a lecture on the Trinity. It is uh, your job is to take that text and take out of that text, which is in that text, preach it to the people who are actually sitting in front of you and apply it to their lives. That's your job. That's your only job. You don't have to say everything. So keep it simple. But, right? but like, that's harder than going back harder. and fixing the Reformation or yeah. preaching on the Trinity, in all honesty. Because yep. like that's real and tangible and needed. Yep. That's way harder. It's I mean, way harder. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a key thing. And I think the resources to help you get that kind of stuff done you know, like you said, you've done the novice stuff. You've kind of read Stott. And you've kind of read Lloyd Jones, and you've kind of you know done the Spurgeon's lectures on uh, to his students and everything. I think something you probably need to read is uh, rhetoric. You need to read uh, Quintilian. You need to read Cicero. You need to uh, read Aristotle. You need to read Augustine, Book One and Book Four of on Christian doctrine. Uh, you need to read uh, Dabney even though he's a terrible racist human being, but it's pretty interesting that you can have somebody who's so terrible about human nature yet understands how to communicate to human beings. It's one of the most <laughs> fascinating and weird things on earth to read that book and think about what a despicable human he was in regard to his ideas about race. And then, uh, you know, you have, if you can take all that stuff and read it with somebody else, don't read it by yourself, yeah. read it with somebody else, a guy in the church who's like, you know, just kind of learning or curious about stuff and have a discussion about that app the application of that material for preaching. Wow. Not because you want to mimic uh, ancient Greco-Roman orators, but because all they were doing was watching how speech worked and writing it down and going, huh, okay, so this is how speech works well. 
and thinking about what applies to preaching. Most of it does. Some of it doesn't. But why? Keep getting those like philosophical why questions and how this works. Um, because I think that a lot of us want to get better at preaching without understanding the mechanics of preaching. So Stephen King is very famous in his book on writing, which, by the way, if you have not read, you should. It's incredible. Um, I love it. Yeah. And he goes like, hey, look, I get people all the time. who are like, I want to be a writer. He's like, fine, then start reading. And they're like, no, 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 I want to be a writer. And he's like, well, you're never going to be a good writer unless you read. Um, so start start reading some of this kind of stuff and think about its application for preaching. Get under the hood. Like, this is the thing. Uh, uh if you don't, if you're Walter Isaacson wrote this great book on Leonardo da Vinci, a biography on him, you should read it. It's fascinating. One of the things he points out is like, um, I don't have Leonardo, time to read that because you just gave me like 80 other books yeah. that I need to read. Look, I'm not telling you you need to do this in the next month. Like I'm stacking okay. it the next Put it on the days. list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So about, about Isaac here. Not so Isaacson Isaac. writes this book about Leonardo da Vinci and he's kind of like, why is Leonardo da Vinci, like what made him who he was? Well, first of all, he's like a freak of nature and a genius. But even though you're probably not going to get on that level, what he did do was like pursue relentless curiosity about the world that he lived in. So it was illegal to dissect corpses. He still figured out a way to do it. And he's got all these drawings of like dissected corpses. And you go like, why is that matter? Well, the only reason he could paint the Mona Lisa and everything was because he understood how human bodies worked in a way that most humans didn't which is why it looks like Mona Lisa smiling at you. But only if you don't look at the picture directly, you have to look at actually off to the side. Um, it's because like he understood how muscle in the face worked. Well, you need to learn how to do that with preaching. And you need to learn how to do that for preaching for the sake of your people. Not just so that people go, you're such a great orator, but so that you can pursue this clarity and conviction. And people go like, man, that was moving. You know, I think a lot of times we, we get... Uh, suspicious about this kind of stuff like that well, that just sounds like performance art and it's like well you know just uh, here we'll do an experiment both of you uh as fast as you can name a prominent preacher from the past that's known for their preaching has to be dead go john broadus Murray jones okay great why is john broadus known why do you why does he appeal to you uh why does he appeal to me or why is he known why is he known or appeal to you i mean I like know. i would just say uh so I read him because Charles Spurgeon had, in his lifetime said he was the greatest living preacher of his own That's day. Right. And I went, wow, I should probably see what Charles Spurgeon thinks. Uh, he's the father of modern expositional preaching. Yep. Um, and he's known because he understood his craft. Yep. Great. Okay. Lloyd Jones. First of all, he's the guy that my guy listens to. So I know I can trust him, <laughs> but also just a very famous for being expository and kind of the last of the Puritans. Right. So, yeah, right. So both of those guys, uh, in addition to everything that you guys said, and you kind of touched the, the fringes of this, they're both very powerful speakers, right? No, nobody, uh, Cicero talks about this where he's like, nobody's going to praise an orator because he knows how to speak Latin. Like, that's a baseline. Nobody's going to praise an orator because they're clear. Like, if they weren't clear, we would laugh them off the podium. So baseline standard, like, should you pursue a good command of the English language? And clarity in preaching. Yes. But he's like, there's some, there's some just like, you know, I mean, Lord Jones would call it unction or whatever, which that's for a different discussion. But like, there's these kind of intangible things that you're like, you don't even know what it is that that person is doing. Well, I don't think that stuff is magic. I think that it's definitely uh, Holy Spirit, you know, directed and all this kind of stuff. But like Charles Simeon, I think you can actually teach preaching. And part of this is just understanding how public speak, 
speech works. And if you can get your hands wrapped around this stuff early on in your preaching, dude, I'll tell you what, you are going to take off as a preacher because you're going to get curious about how texts are written. Because like Paul in Romans 9 is making an argument. He's not just saying random stuff about God. He's And as you know, he's structuring an argument very tightly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you've actually got to unpack that. But if you don't know how speech works, then actually understanding how it's written is actually pretty complicated. And then you're just going to default to commentaries and be like, well, let me just give a, a essentially a book report on these seven you know, commentaries. Because I don't know how speech works. But if I do understand it, then not only am I going to understand Paul, but I'll actually understand how to talk about what Paul's writing. Well, and so I'm just going to add to that because I really appreciate what you're saying. Also, as I'm going through, I mean, I'm spending a lot of time looking at the, I mean, it's funny to me how the, the publishers of these Bibles have broke up Paul's text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. He just asked a really profound question and he already knows the answer and he's fully prepared to unload his answer. Yep. You get there. Um I've started to realize just because I've been I've been preaching for a long time and I've been going through the Bible for a long time, but it's amazing to go. I cannot communicate like Paul, mm. even if I were to regurgitate what he just said. There's something about this and just the entire flow that I can't even hardly keep suspended in my mind. Yeah, because this goes all the way back to chapter one. This goes all like he has he has done a lot better than all of our favorite movie series that. They wrote something and then they wanted to do a prequel and they didn't really think through how that was going to work. So now they're trying to write it and make it fit. And then you're like, well, what about this plot <laughs> hole? And what about, yeah. wait a second, this doesn't go together at all. Paul yeah. has got the whole book like super, uh, what's the, uh, try to think preachers talk, super grammarian, uh, super, oh, super grammarian, yeah, super and grammarian. like this thing is like perfect. Like yeah. this thing is flawless, right? Yeah. Now, granted, the Holy Spirit has inspired this, Sure, but I just read. R.C. Sproul, I just took a page out of something he wrote. He said, even if Paul was never saved, the yeah. man was so brilliant, we would know who he is today. He would yeah. have written something. He would have argued something. And we would know who Paul, we would have known who Saul of Tarsus is today yeah. if God had never saved him. I'm like, man, yeah. that's how smart Paul is. But now it's super helpful to go, now that I'm really trying to get in and dissect it, it's really helpful reading the other work over there. It's really helpful in thinking how I'm communicating these big concepts. Yeah. It's powerful. Yep. Very yep. powerful. And I think so. This gets to the other thing for the 30 out there, 30 preacher. What do you need to do? I think you need to fall in love with literature. So, first 30 sermons, you're falling in love with truth and everything like that. But your sermons are probably pretty boring because you're trying to say too much and they're <laughs> not like cohesive. They're just kind of random knowledge bits about God and they don't kind of flow very well or anything. Well, fall in love with literature because if you don't love not only like the truths of the text, but the way in which the text was written, I don't actually think you're ever going to be able to preach it very well. Now, there's things that resonate naturally with you. Like the worst thing you could do to me is invite me to Brian's church and say, could you please preach the next text in Romans 9? Right? <laughs> I'm scared of Romans 9, but I just do not like preaching discourse. It's the most boring thing in the world to me. But I so I have to work really hard at loving discourse. Um, now it's ironic because like in my side hustle, I'm like a, you know, a theological ethicist. So I'm dealing with philosophy and everything all the time. But my favorite stuff is poetry and narrative. But if you don't, if you just love like the truth content of like even Paul in Romans 9, and you don't love actually the way in which he's making the argument, you're not actually going to be able to preach it very well. So you need to read stuff from like uh, altar on like uh, Hebrew narrative. 
and understanding biblical poetry. Don't follow everything that he says because he's a little crazy. But like he's one of these kind of guys. Riken's another one of these kind of guys. Um, Leland Riken, who's like, okay, understanding the Bible as Christian literature, like the literary aspects of this. Read George Saunders' A Swim in a Pond in the Rain, which is a book of uh, Russian short stories and his essays about those short stories. A few swear words in there. Just deal with it. Like, like it's, I'm actually taking a group of pastors through it right now and thinking about the application of those essays for preaching. And it just it's it's super helpful to kind of think about, oh, this is how texts are put together and what you can try to do when you're writing a short story. Well, actually applies to sermon writing as well, because it's as important to get the message across to people as it is to get the message right. Now, I don't ever want to diminish the getting rightness, but I think too often people in our circles go, well, I got it right, and that's enough. It's right. like, well, if nobody hears it, did yeah. you actually preach a sermon, right? You didn't communicate it, so that's tough. Right. But it's, it's interesting what you're saying, because C.S. Lewis, people will say, oh, I love C.S. Lewis. I read, And I'll often say, tell me what it is you love about C.S. Lewis. Yep. And they're not really ever talking about his theology. Right. Also, things like, would you know he's an Anglican? Do you know he holds this view? <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. What they love is he knows how writing works. He knows exactly. how to keep an audience moving right. through something with joy. Yep. Because he yep. loved poetry. He loved literature. I mean, that's what he taught. And that's what he did. Yep. So his writing style is, is designed to make you go, I enjoy the reading right. process. But yep. half the time when you ask people what they know and think about what Lewis had to say, they're like, well, come to think of it. I didn't think too much of like, oh, I just was with him. I mean, I just, yep. he knows how to do that. Right. And you don't see so pause and go, what's the background here? <laughs> that's so helpful because I, I think that's exactly what that 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 novice type preacher needs because I've spent the first 30 sermons really trying to handle the text rightly. And this last sermon, I just put it on the operating table and I, and I yep. walked with Brian through it and I said, hey, let's work through this. Help me walk through this. And the next step was Brian was really walking me through, okay, you need to like know how to communicate this rightly yep. so that people are captivated, so that they're paying attention, so they're listening. I, right. I totally forced him to use a different sort of an outline approach. Yes. I said, yes, okay, yes. you you got this down. You're you're laying it out there. You know, kind of five paragraph essay. Th I hate to say three point sermon because people go to certain sure. things in mind, but <laughs> but this text doesn't line up with that very well. Uh, so what I want you to do is I want you to create a great deal of tension on the front end that you resolve right. at the back end. And man, I thought he had a great deal of tension with me just saying that's how you have to do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think this gets to kind of so. If you're 30 sermons in, you clearly don't know what you're doing, right? So, like, embrace okay. that. But, like, what that means is keep trying to mess with the system to find the system that works. And if you're not willing to do that, um, you're stubborn, and it's going to take you a lot longer. Like, so mess with your note style. Mess with what you do with your notes after you've written them. Remember that your notes are only ever read by you. It doesn't matter what it says. It doesn't matter if the grammar is correct. We don't actually, we don't haven't learned how to write to be heard. We only write to be read. And we're not even good at that very often. H. Grady Davis has got a great chapter at the end of his book, Designed for Preaching, on just like writing for the ear, because it's a completely different animal. Um, but like, it's funny look, you say all that, because we have, we, we have a whole bunch of Ukrainian refugees who started coming to our church. And some of them are actually were pastors and have seminary education uh, in Ukraine, but they're refugees. And so we're, we have a couple of people that are translating the sermon. Uh, while we're preaching and they have a little earpiece and stuff. So we write out a full manuscript now. Yep. And man, I can't tell you how many, like, what are you talking about? The gr 
Like these are incomplete sentences. The grammar doesn't line up. Yeah. So I had to like start writing a manuscript for them. Right. That's like, they're not going to be able to translate this because they don't, there's no verb in that sentence. Cause I just, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, again, this, it's a huge challenge to do this work well, but like, um, I think that one of the things that comedians do really well and preachers don't do very well is they break down uh, each other's like sets. So you need to listen to preaching not for the purpose of edification, but for the purpose of game film. Right? But also listen for edification because that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I'm I get saying, what you're like, saying. No, I edification get what you're saying. will come, right? But I think too many of us are like, well, I just I, I can only listen to preaching to like quote unquote be fed or whatever. It's like, no, 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 like you will be fed in the process. But the goal of this listening experience, not I'm not talking about Sunday morning in your local church library, I'm talking about like putting it on your iPod or whatever and just like going for it. Do do that for the purpose of trying to figure out what's going on here and listen to preachers across the spectrum. And don't worry if you're like an expositional preacher or whatever, which I mean, I run a course that's all about expositional preaching. But for example, uh, today we listen to A. Lewis Patterson's sermon and we're breaking it down on Shamgar. He preaches the one verse on Shamgar. It is one of the most memorable sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. And the sermon is this Shamgar. Started where he was, used what he had, and did what he could. Right. And you got that's helpful though. It's it's helpful. Now it's super memorable. Now he's making up all kinds of crazy stuff all over the place, and there's stuff to avoid, but even that stuff is like, okay, but why is that so engaging? And then if it's so engaging, then why would that actually be distracting? But what is he doing well that like I've never even thought about doing? So think about it, not just from the perspective of edification, but hey. What does this preacher have to teach me about this thing that we do called preaching, public speaking yeah. from God's word, um, and then talking about it with other people, just understanding that, like, this is going to come slower for some people than others. If you're 30 sermons in, um, you're probably not Whitfield. Like, Whitfield had sermons that were published from when he was, like, the first year he was preaching. Okay, fine. That's Whitfield. Those sermons are fine. He also got to preach them, like, 50 times, and uh, he was a freak of nature. You're probably not that, right? But if God can use donkeys, God can use you. So just right. like you be you and do the best you can. But get into like, again, get under the hood. Because if you don't, like there's no, there's not a lot of like help for you. It's just like you get up there, you get down, you might get some feedback. It's like, I guess I'll just try next time. I don't know. <laughs> I like this. For those who are like, I'm not sure what Jeremy's saying about dissecting other people's sermons. I'll throw another person who's been on our podcast before. I think it was before or after we were recording, but he's serious <clears throat> about Spurgeon. So Jason Allen is the yeah. president of Midwestern Seminary, yeah. and serious about Spurgeon. He's been writing these little books, like putting Spurgeon sermons together on right. certain topics. And at one point he said to us, uh, it's a really good exercise if you can try to put, read the sermon, but then try to create just the outline for the sermon. Yeah. Like just try to figure out what he's doing. Like make Spurgeon's sermon into just an outline. And it is hard. It's yeah. like... Okay, wait, where is this whole thing a transition? I didn't because mm -hmm. you don't ever stop and think about it. Wait, yep. is he moving to another point? And I've come to realize this dude is not an expositional preacher. Like right. Rodas was right. This was a different type of preaching for a different time, and this is hard. Yeah, but it's really helpful to go, okay, now I'm dissecting it. And you I, and it's hard because you can't hear it. So you don't 
you don't know. Did he pause here? What did he do? Oh, I can only do what I have writing. So I have to try to break this. It's really a helpful exercise. I have yep. some of those little books that, that Jason Allen has put out. I have all of Spurgeon's sermons, but I like the little books because they're on topics. Yep. Here's 10 sermons that Spurgeon preached on prayer. Right. I've started putting in the margins like transition to point two. And half the time it's uh. transitions to point two. Question mark. Is there a point two? Where is he going with this? Why is he sharing this illustration? Like, I'm like yeah. now that I think about it, what is he doing? <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Why do I even like this? I mean, it's exactly. like, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, right? Cause you go like, okay, technically this guy gets a D right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's what is compelling about it in light of the fact that it's not technically great, but there's something compelling here, even on the written page. I'm not even sitting in there. I'm not even listening to this thing, but something is happening here that I need to get my arms around because I've never felt that way about my own writing. And right. And so, but there's, there's something there. And if you can get a handle on those things, man, you can make and some I would, I would, I would argue to anybody that goes, oh, but it's just unction or it's just a Holy Spirit. Okay, but you should still be able to put that, you should still be able to define what the Holy Spirit's doing. Exactly. Right. The Holy Spirit then is doing a transition. Yep. The yeah, Holy Spirit is coming to his conclusion. Like, uh-huh. okay, yeah. fine, something's happening. Yeah. God works through language and means. Like, that doesn't just apply to, you know, evangelism. That applies also to speaking out loud in public. Yeah. Josiah, do you feel encouraged? Do you have a roadmap of things to do for your next? I feel encouraged. I'm I'm fascinated. I I feel like the kid that we talked about that tells uh, Stephen King, I want to be a writer. And he says, read. Like, I I thought Jeremy Meeks was going to come with a couple online courses or a couple leadership books or preaching books. And he's listing all these literature books I've never heard of before. And so. And listen to preaching. Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, I think that we can learn a lot about preaching from not thinking about preaching. So Oliver O'Donovan does this a lot with ethics, where he's like, okay, we're going to think about this thing, but we're going to think about it like like Emily Dickinson calls, like, telling it slant. So, like, you, you, you're you coming at it, like, adjacently. Right. You're thinking about something that's, like, just slightly different, and then you're doing the work of applying it to preaching. I think there's actually some of the greatest benefit in understanding preaching and doing that. Because I think 30 sermons in, you're getting a handle on how to understand the text. I think the biggest challenge is how do I communicate that effectively? So that's been a lot of what my encouragement is here. But as far as like understanding the text goes, it's like, just keep falling in love with it. Like seriously, like wear it, wear it out, like print that thing out, put it in your pocket. And instead of looking at Twitter, like just scribble all over it and like, keep looking at the text. Cause I think we don't do, especially early on, there's not nearly enough time spent on meditation. It's all just kind of like, let me study. Um, it's like, well, why don't you just chill out and like enjoy it and like ask questions and like be confused by it. It's just occurred to me that we have been operating under a, an assumption here with the preacher that is 30 sermons in. Uh, we've assumed that they're getting really good with the text, but it just dawned on me. I've known some guys who are really good oh, communicators right. who are really bad with the text. Yep. So I would suggest if you've been listening to this and like, well, great, I got communication down. But if you're not good with the text. That's an yeah. assumed, we've all been assuming right. you can handle the text. And then we've been talking about communication. But as soon as it, as soon as we got to the end of this, I'm like, wait a minute, we didn't even, we probably shouldn't assume that either. <laughs> so if you're a really good communicator, but you are terrible with the text, man, yep. work on that then. Because that's all he says, yeah. you, Jeremy, you said we got to get it right and we got to communicate it correctly. So if you're not yeah. getting it right, that's the first assumption. Get it right. right. Yep. And Absolutely. then let's hit communication. But Josiah, you're getting it right, but you are in exactly what Jeremy's talking about. Like, how do I... How do I not just put this out in a wooden, correct way? Yep. How do I actually convey it in a compelling way 
that that captures what the text is doing in all the other facets of what it's doing besides just speaking the truth it's right well, why, why would it be in poetry why would it be in narrative form why yeah. would it be this? <laughs> right and those things i think are actually important to understand the text right to get it right because i think we're like okay i'll worry about all that stuff after i figure out how to understand text it's like well i don't know if you can really understand text really well unless you understand how poetry works and unless you understand right. how it works well yeah and like why would paul even bother to ask a question even in <laughs> rhetoric even in exactly. in discourse why would he go well does this mean god's word fails yeah he knows the answer he's right. communicating to go oh i was just thinking that yeah oh yeah now yeah. tell me the end like, he's doing stuff exactly and he yeah, doesn't exactly. have to do that to communicate nope. the truth but that is how he communicates to the reader right keep trucking along in this argument so yeah this has been great man i, I think i, I think what you're, just, what you're bringing up i think it applies to a lot of different things but you should actually read the bible to learn how to speak out loud so like understand that god's word isn't just there for the truth content but is actually there to teach us how to do things so like paul's use of dialogue in romans is a great example like uh god's use of sarcasm in amos is instructive for preaching Right. Like yeah. these kinds of things teach you not only what you can and can't do, but like how you should do the things in the first place. Yeah, that's really helpful. Well, thank you so much. This has been encouraging. I, I think it's hard for the new preacher who's listening to Broadus or Lloyd Jones or Spurgeon and thinking I'm not like that. Uh, but I think the most <laughs> encouraging thing for me today was hearing Jeremy Meek say, if God can use a donkey, he can use you. thank you jeremy for being on the podcast again jeremy meeks with preachers talk podcast he's also with the chicago course on preaching uh what's the best way to to find you and and the things that you're a part of jeremy yeah so you can go to chicagocourse.org uh or you can find preachers talk anywhere you listen to podcasts Um, don't forget simeon trust man you want to throw the simeontrust.org right yeah simeontrust.org so workshops, online courses, Chicago course, all kinds of resources for preachers. Which, some of the resources there are some of the things you've been talking about. I mean, yeah. you have you have guys going through, like if you do an online course, they're recommending books. Yep. Um, I mean, Kenny, uh, he throws out all, like, he throws out so many things. My book list is so full of stuff. He's like, <laughs> oh, here's a book, here's a book, here's a book. Yeah. And like, but grab some of those books like you're talking about. Uh, take one of those courses. They're very affordable. They're very good. And grab some of the books you're talking about. I mean, yep. pick what you're weak at. You were saying like, hey, I'm not so good at, at discourse. Well, right. there's a course for that. Yeah, not so exactly. good at argumentation. There's a course. For, oh, this poetry stuff is tough. Oh, there's a course for that. Yep. Yep. Awesome. At uh, Charles Simeon, no, simeontrust.org. Simeontrust.org. Yep. Yeah. That's great. great. Sorry, Josiah, I just stole that from you. It's all great. No. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Sounds like our listeners have a lot of homework to do, so we'll let them get at it. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.